2 Timothy 2, 1-13 You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, we will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Thank you, Logan. Uh, Some of you haven't put the face to the name yet because we're in the midst of a pandemic, and uh, that's just common these days. But Logan... Uh, is a sophomore at Augusta University, and she was one of our summer interns who worked with the children and the youth, and we have extended her internship through the end of this year, through December, uh, and she'll be working with the youth. So I appreciate the work that she's been doing, and it's good to have her here and read the scripture for us. Uh, She had a little easier this week than Ron had it last week with all the names, but uh, she'll have her turn, I'm sure, with that. But uh, you know, the mission of our church is to love God, love people, make disciples. You've heard me say it several times. And if you've been in the church, especially in this church, I hope you're at least familiar with that phrase, make disciples. Uh, but I wonder, you know, if I were to, to do a survey here and to ask you all, uh, what, a, what does a disciple maker do? You know, what is a disciple maker? What do they do? What does that mean? What does that entail? How many of you would be able to answer that question? And really more importantly is the question, how many of you are involved in making disciples? Um, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 2 is really going to help us understand what a disciple maker looks like, what a disciple maker is, what he or she does, what is it goes into that. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. But let me set up the context for this chapter, especially for those of you who were not here last week. Second uh, Timothy is Paul's last words to the, his young disciple, Timothy. And Paul wants to help Timothy uh, become the man that God wants him to be, the leader, the teacher, the pastor that God wants him to be. And back in chapter 1, Paul challenged Timothy to, to fan into flame his gifting according to the sound words that had been deposited within him. And he challenged Timothy not to shrink back in fear of what people may think, fear of men, but rather by the power of God to press forward in the ministry that God had given him. And now as we come to chapter 2, Paul challenges Timothy to be a disciple maker. And Paul gives us four characteristics of a disciple maker in these verses. In verse 1, Paul briefly describes what a disciple maker is. Then in verse 2, Paul describes what a disciple maker does. Then in verses 3 through 7, 
he shares three examples that illustrate what it takes to be a disciple maker. And then finally, in verses 8 through 13, Paul reminds Timothy of the goal of disciple making. And so first, let us look at verse 1 and see what a disciple maker is. Paul writes, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So the first characteristic we see is that a disciple maker is a disciple of Jesus. And we saw it in chapter 1. We see it again here. Because it's only in Christ that we have access to the strengthening grace of God. So it's in the context of that relationship. Through faith in Christ, we are made right with God. And we have access to these resources that God gives His people to carry out the mission that God gives us. So we see that a disciple maker is a Christian who is strengthened by the grace of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, you can define grace as it's used here in this verse as divine help. Divine help. So the question is, how are we strengthened by divine help? Well, here's a question for you. How do you know if you can lift a 20-pound dumbbell? Well, you don't know unless you try it, right? You have to give it a shot. You have to try it. And in a similar way, I believe the only way you will experience the strength that comes from the grace of God is by trying what Jesus wants you to try. I mean, that's how you experience it. That's how He empowers you to actually accomplish certain things. It's in the faith-filled action of depending on God for the strength. So, you know, just imagine God's grace as, as like the wind. Imagine it being like the wind, a strong wind a force for good, okay? And your life is like a sailboat. And, you know, when we take faith-filled action, when we move forward by faith, trusting God to work in and through us, it's like uh, turning the sail of our lives to catch the wind of the grace of God, and it thrusts us forward to move in the direction and accomplish the work that God wants us to do. So the grace of God is divine help given to His people to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish, to do what He wants us to do. And so for the Christian to be strengthened by the grace of God in Christ requires us to be willing to go where God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do. And as we move forward in faith, our will is strengthened, our emotions are strengthened, our perspective is strengthened, our focus is strengthened. And even, you see, even instances in scriptures where even our, our abilities are strengthened. And so we're strengthened, though, but keep this in mind, we're strengthened in order to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And God strengthens us for His purposes. So in this context, a disciple maker is a disciple of Jesus who is strengthened by the grace of God to make disciples. That's what a disciple maker is. Then in verse 2, Paul tells us what a disciple maker does. He says in verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Faithful men or women to be able to teach others also. So a disciple maker is dependent upon God for strength in order to entrust, give away, you know, deposit, God's word to those who will be disciple makers. 
Okay, so the disciple makers entrusting God's word to those who will be disciple makers. And as we look at these, uh, what we see here in this passage is uh, Paul gives two characteristics to Timothy for him to look for, uh, to pick out those people that he should uh, entrust God's word to. And as we look at these two characteristics, I want you to ask yourself if they characterize you. First, he says they must be faithful. So the disciple maker must look for faithful people to entrust God's word to. So the first is they must be faithful. And here's the the bottom line, and you all know this to be true. To be involved in any great endeavor, you must be faithful. You must be faithful. You must be willing to show up even when you don't feel like it, even when it's not comfortable, even when you have several other things going on, even though you may have things you want to do or maybe even need to do. If you're faithful, then you are dependable. I mean, people can count on you. I mean, you show up, you're present. Someone once said that, you know, 80% of success is showing up. It's being faithful. It's being present. You know, to be a good spouse, you need to be faithful. To be a good parent, you need to be faithful. To be a good employee, a worker, you need to be faithful. And if you want to be a disciple maker, then you must be faithful. And you must invest in those who are faithful. You know, one reason why I think Christians, some Christians anyway, are not growing in their faith and why uh, Christians aren't disciple makers is that they're not faithful. You know, they're not faithful to stay in one place long enough to learn the word of God and pass on the word of God to others. You know, you have some Christians, you know, they bounce from one church to another church, one ministry to another ministry, one Bible study to another Bible study. So they're social, but they're not faithful. You know, they're, they're nice people, but they're not faithful. They're either not faithful to receive the word or they're not faithful to pass it on. You know, a recent survey by the Barna Group reports that up to 48%, almost half, of those who attended church services before the pandemic, almost half of them have not watched a church service in the past four weeks. So what that tells me is that faithfulness is a highly valued but rare Characteristic, even among those who attend church services. You know, because faithfulness requires consistency. It requires dependability, being teachable. And Paul tells Timothy to find people who are faithful and entrust them with the Word of God. So if you're going to be a disciple maker, then you need to be faithful and you, you need to invest in people who are faithful. The second characteristic that Paul tells Timothy to look for is that they must be able to teach others. In other words, they must be willing to pass it on. In other words, you don't want to spend a lot of time investing in someone who is going to park their faith in a cul-de-sac. Right? I mean, you want to invest in people who are going to pass it on. Who are going to take it to the next generation. Who is going to take it to their children and their neighbors and their co-workers. And now, you know, for those people who are parking their faith in the cul-de-sac, I mean, love them, invite them to church, invite them to their Bible study. Uh, You know, I'm not saying don't do those things, but I'm just saying as far as discipling, investing your life into someone so that they can carry it on, you need to find people who are faithful and who are willing to pass it on. You know, I think one of the most frustrating things 
And if any of you are employers here, uh, or maybe you've involved in training people in your job, one of the most frustrating things in business is training someone to do a job only to have them leave shortly after being trained. Am I right? I mean, you spend all this energy, all this, re- all your resources to train them to do a job, and then they leave the job. And you're thinking, <laughs> I just spent all this time and money and re- all this pouring into you, and now you're gone. And the, the principle here is, you know, even in the church, we need to find people who are going to be faithful and who are going to be willing to pass it on. And those are the people we really need to invest our lives with uh, and trust the Word of God to so that they can carry it on to others. In other words, the disciple maker is looking to uh, seek out people who will be disciple makers. When we talk about making disciples, we're wanting to pour into people who actually carry on the work, take it on to the next generation. And this is what Paul is charging Timothy to do. Find faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. So what does this mean for you? You may be saying, well, Ron, you know, uh, I think this is just for pastors. (laughs) Uh, Timothy was a pastor. Paul's telling, you know, pastors should be doing these things. Or maybe even those who have the gift of teaching should be doing these things. And I think, in a sense, you're right. I think that is the primary context here. That Paul is telling Timothy, as a pastor teacher, you need to be entrusting the Word of God to people who can carry it on because obviously they didn't have the Scriptures like we have them today. And so that was very important and it's important today as well. And this passage speaks to a portion of what discipleship looks like, but it doesn't speak to the wholeness of discipleship. But it specifically does speak to the teaching aspect of discipleship. However, I can't help but go back to uh, Jesus's uh, command to his followers in Matthew 28 after he had been raised from the dead he appears to his followers in Matthew 28 19 and 20 and says go therefore go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold I'm with you always to the end of the age so and as we see that those early disciples go out into the world you, you see them making disciples and as you walk through the book of Acts, you see this uh, beginning to take place. And you see that this is not just given to, this is a task is not just given to a select few, but actually the whole church begins to be involved in this uh, effort to make disciples. And we've talked about this several times before, but you know, God has gifted each of us in different ways. Not everybody's a teacher. However, The way God has gifted you, He is meant for you to build up the body of Christ with the gifts He's given you. And so we work together as the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ, which is another way of saying making disciples. Because a disciple is simply this. A disciple is a growing follower of Jesus. A disciple is a growing follower of Jesus. And so we're working together as the church to help people become growing followers of Jesus. So you may not be a preacher or a teacher, uh, but God has gifted you in some way to make disciples, to be involved in that process. I find it interesting, back in verse 2, Paul says this. He says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. 
I just think it's interesting that Timothy's discipleship uh, occurred in the presence of many witnesses. It wasn't just Paul and Timothy, even though sometimes it was just them. But there were more people involved in his development. Back in chapter 1, Paul even mentions Timothy's grandmother and his mother and how they passed on the faith. They, They aided in his spiritual development. And so what we see here is that discipleship takes place in the presence of many witnesses. There are many contributors to the discipleship of a person. There are teachers. And you can't make disciples without teaching. Okay, uh, Discipleship is more than teaching, but it's not less than teaching. And that's the thrust of what we see in this passage. But there are also uh, encouragers, those who have the gift of prayer, service, giving, those who will challenge each other uh, or others. But in order to be a disciple maker, you must be faithful and be willing to pass on what God has given you. And I do believe that it takes the whole church involved in this in order to see people um, become growing followers of Jesus. And that's why it's in our mission statement. And that's why we put it there, because we think this is our responsibility, not just one person's responsibility or a select few in our church, but rather we all are involved in this process. So a disciple maker entrusts God's word to faithful people who will pass it on to other to others. So so we know what a disciple maker is. We know what a disciple maker does. And now let's look at the three examples that Paul gives uh, that illustrate what it takes, what it takes to be a disciple maker. The first example is a soldier. He 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 um, says this in verse three. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of, G- of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So what we learn from the soldier is how to prioritize our lives. You know, the soldier's priority is to his commander. I mean, he is uh, focused on accomplishing what his commander has told him to do. He doesn't get entangled in secondary issues, but he keeps his focus. In other words, he doesn't allow secondary issues to keep him from his primary objective. And so for the disciple maker, this means that you've you got to make it a priority. You have to make it a priority to invest in other people. It doesn't just happen. It has to be a priority. Your involvement in the mission of the church has to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. The second example is the athlete. Verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You know, In Paul's day, there was a specific amount of training that you had to accomplish in order to be a professional athlete. And to compete in the professional games there. And so for the athlete, we learn discipline. For the disciple maker, this means that you need to be willing to put in the time. You know, to be good at anything, you have to put in the time. And this includes making disciples. Practically, this means you need to have a plan. And you need to think through how you're going to execute the plan. How are you going to take what you know and pass it on to other people? You know, as a church, we have a, uh, a six-lesson plan. It's called the Discipleship Essentials. And we have an expectation that every new member of our church will go through this six-lesson plan. Because these six lessons are uh, lessons that will help you grow. You know, as a church, we thought about these six lessons. We said, you know, if you know these six things as a Christian, you can go anywhere in the world and you can be a growing 
follower of Jesus. And so some of you have gone through this, uh, these six lessons, the discipleship essentials. But if some of you have not gone through those and you want to go through those, that could be your next step. And so I'd encourage you to talk to me about that. And, uh, and let's get you on track to go through those discipleship essential uh, lessons. And I think that'll help you not only for you to grow, but also it gives you something then to also pass on to someone else. So talk to me and we'll, we'll get you started on that. Uh, but to be a disciple maker, you must be disciplined. You must have a plan and you need to know how to execute that plan, just like the athlete. The third example is the farmer. Verse six, we read, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And so what we learn from the farmer is that disciple making takes takes work and it takes time. And if you want to invest in people, then you have to be willing to put in the work and put in the time. And so if you put these three examples together, we learn that a disciple maker's priority is helping people become growing followers of Jesus. A disciple maker is disciplined in his or her preparation, planning, and execution. And lastly, a disciple maker puts in the work over a period of time and trusts God for the harvest. Now finally, in verses 8 through 13, Paul reminds Timothy of the goal of disciple making. And notice what he says right off the bat. He says, first you need to remember Jesus. Because you know, it's all about Christ. It's all about who He is, what He's done, what He's doing, what He will do. It's all about Christ. It's through Christ that you are brought to God into a personal relationship. You're made right with God. It's through Christ that you're strengthened by the grace of God to do what God wants you to do. Uh, what you're doing in discipleship is you're trying to pass on the teachings of Christ. You know, it is for Christ that we're making disciples. So we have to remember why we are doing what we're doing. It's all about Christ. Second, in, verses, in verse 10, he says, Therefore I endure everything. He says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know, the reason we seek to make disciples is so that people can have a personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. They have, so they can obtain salvation. And that's, that's why we do what we do. And lastly, in verses 13, 11 through 13, Paul most likely quotes an early Christian hymn and says, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You know, we have to have a, an eternal perspective. You know, because what we do now echoes for eternity. So we have to keep eternity in mind. So a disciple maker is a disciple of Jesus, strengthened by the grace of God. A disciple maker entrusts God's word to faithful people who will be able to teach others. A disciple maker prioritizes his life, carries out a plan, puts in the work, and puts in the time required. And the disciple maker remembers Jesus endures for the sake of the elect, and keeps an eternal perspective. You know, the mission of our church, like I've said a few times already, is to love God, love people, and make disciples. We love God, and we love people, but if people want to know God, then it's our responsibility to help them grow. And that's what it means to make 
a disciple. And so whether you're a teacher or not, whether that's your gifting or not, here's what I want to challenge you to think about. Can you, can you point to a specific way that you are involved in making disciples in our church? I mean, is there a way that you are involved in helping people become growing followers of Jesus? And if you're not involved, I want to challenge you to get involved. Get involved in what we're doing. This, this may mean teaching. Uh, it may mean giving. It may mean serving. Uh, it may mean helping out in a Sunday school class or investing in an individual or helping in the worship service or serving in some capacity in the church. But you know, if, if you want to get involved, if you're, if you're saying you're running, I want to be involved in what God's doing, but I don't know how, I don't know what I can do, I don't know what my gift is, that's okay. I want you to talk to me. You can talk to me today or you can contact me during the week. Uh, and I'd love to t- share with you, let's talk about how you can get plugged in to what our church is doing as we seek to accomplish the mission of God, as we link arms together and seek to be disciple makers. So I want to challenge you to be faithful and take faith-filled action, looking for ways you know, to pass on what God has done in your life to those around you so that they can obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this challenge. Uh, Thank you for Paul's challenge to Timothy and how we can learn from that challenge, how we can think about how that applies in our day, in our context, in our lives. Lord, help us be faithful. Help us to be teachable so that we can invest in others who are also faithful and teachable. God, we want to be disciple makers. We want to be a disciple making church. We want to help people grow in their relationship with you and become growing followers of Jesus. Lord, that's what we want. We want to love you. We want to love people. And we want to make disciples. Lord, strengthen us by your grace to do that in our city. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to challenge you as we stand and sing our final hymn together. Think about how you're involved in this process of disciple making. How can you be involved? Uh, also think, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm not a disciple. I, you know, I've never placed my faith in Christ. I'm not a growing follower of Jesus. So maybe that's the decision you need to make today is giving your life to Christ, being placed in a right relationship with God through faith in Christ. If that's your decision, I encourage you to make that decision today. Turn from doing life your way. Turn to Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for the rest of us who are following Jesus, let's think about how how can I be involved in what God is doing in the world. So let us stand and sing our final hymn together.